Welcome to the SoGrow Marketing Council podcast. The SoGrow Marketing Council is a membership organization comprised of growing marketers who want to stay ahead of developments in multiple areas of marketing. This podcast features recordings of SoGrow Marketing Council meetings. Tune in to hear expert marketers share tips and discuss the latest strategies and tools in marketing. To join the next meeting and be part of the discussion yourself, visit SoGrowPR.com. That's S-O-W-G-R-O-W-P-R.com and click on the Marketing Council tab. Let's get growing. So welcome to the SoGrow Marketing Council. I'm so excited to see everybody today. The SoGro Marketing Council is a membership organization for executive level marketers. The idea is that we get together and we share tips from the different areas of marketing that we represent. So we all tend to swim in our separate areas of marketing. And by getting together with other marketers, we're able to stay up to speed in multiple different areas of marketing. And then as we were just discussing during our networking time before the meeting, we also are able to support each other. So if we need a recommendation for another marketing company, like let's say we are doing branding, but we need help with SEO for one of our clients, then we know this wonderful group of people to be able to say, yes, I know a great SEO company or I know a great branding agency. And we feel really comfortable making those recommendations. And then we can also help each other if we need to hire somebody or if we're looking for a position in marketing, anything that we can do to support, that's why we are here. And we're very collaborative and not competitive. So today we have some presenters who have submitted tips and I put the order in the chat so you can look and see what order we're gonna go in today. And each presenter has four minutes to provide an educational tip. So we're trying to educate and it's not a commercial, but we're just trying to educate each other and help each other to learn about a different area of marketing. And then Sarah will be our timer today. So when you get close to four minutes, she'll wave at you a little bit and then you'll hear her timer go off. And then we'll have one minute for questions after each person presents. So if you have a comment or a question that you want to ask the presenter, then we'll leave a little bit of time for that. And if you would like to join the Sober Marketing Council, you can go to the website and sign up. And there's the database of everybody who is a member. And then we also have this as a video and podcast series. So be sure to look at the videos that are on there. We have the full length videos on there. And if you want to grab those videos and grab a clip of you and use it for your marketing purposes, your website, your blog, you can do that as well. And then we also have a speaker opportunity database on the back end of the website so that you can search for speaking opportunities. And, um, and then there's the Sogro Marketing Council forum. So we have our featured experts post their tips on the forum. And then we take the best tips and we include them in our podcast. And then we also include them on our YouTube channel. And then we promote those so that way you guys can get extra exposure for your expertise as well. So subscribe to the podcast and then also subscribe to the YouTube channel. And that way you guys can catch up on any of the meetings that you may have missed in the past. So when you present your tip, please be sure to uh, mention your name and your company and your area of expertise. And um, also mention if you are a featured expert and what your seat is that you hold in this organization. So we are ready to get started. So Kristen, would you like to start us off? Absolutely. <clears throat> Thank you. Um, preparing my screen here because I'm going to screen share. You should see some words with, that lead with website design and development. And then you should see a website called Wickham. Do you guys see that? Uh -huh. Yes. <clears throat> Great. Good morning. My name is Kristen Sellier. I'm president of ID8. We are a branding agency um, and we focus on helping companies typically go through a rebrand. One aspect after the rebrand is a website redesign. And so <clears throat> I thought it'd be good this morning to show you a little bit about how we come up with our website design quotes. And feel free to use whatever you want. And if you ever want me to send this to you, this text, I'm happy to do that. I think this will help you understand what to look for in a good quote and understand how to help your clients. Because um, they may ask you, hey, I'm not sure about this quote. Is this a reputable company? Is this what I need to be looking for? This may help you be a resource for your client when they're also doing websites um, as well. So this is the site <clears throat> that we're going to do the redesign on. And we did some rep 
rebranding for them, but they are not utilizing it on their website yet. So um, this is the old site. You see that retirement fund jar? <clears throat> we have to get rid of that. This is the kind of company that is like a Rolex watch, very high end, but their website doesn't appeal to that same look and feel. So what we're quoting um, is a complete website redesign. I'm gonna show you one thing. Okay, uh, one thing to look for, I don't know why that red is there, but um, they have a lot of navigation and it's all in serif fonts. That's just way, it's very um, hard to read. It's all caps, it's yelling at you and it's in serif font and that's not the easiest font to read online. Um, it just doesn't feel high end. So one area that we quote is what we're proposing as the sitemap. And this is a much simpler way to approach the content versus what they had. And so showing the sitemap and the pages that are being planned for the website is really important because page count usually dictates how much a website is going to cost because each page, especially if they're not templated, takes more design time, takes more development time. And when you're putting custom pages together and developing custom graphics, you have to account for each page. So we note the pages that we're putting in there. We also note a global toolbar, header and footer. So this is not part of the main navigation. This is either sitting above or in the very footer, but there are buttons that you can click on to either take you to a, a really more of a stagnant page on the website or to an external site. So these links, broker check, Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, investment advisor, public disclosure, all take people externally. These are the only two pages that are internal. Um, we're also including things like this. The Google anal Analytics are going to be integrated. We're doing unique metadata on each page. Very important for SEO if they plan on doing that. And then specifically what we're going to be doing um, different. The title, the keyword, description, H1 tags, H2 tags. 301 redirects are the important piece. If it's a redesign to remember, this should always be in there because if there is a 404 error page, meaning a page didn't exist and now it does exist, that sends um, a signal to Google if the 404 error, error page comes up and you get a negative, negative points in their algorithms as to the site's credibility um, and where it's going to rank organically. Uh, we install a plugin, Yoast plugin and SEO, which is great to use. We create an XML sitemap, submit that to search engines. How many revisions we include? We include a training document. And then we also do a training session with them. And then we outline what SEO optimization we're going to do um, on the site so they understand that. Um, and QC proofreading and project management. So if you guys want this, I'm happy to send this to you, but it's a way to at least uh, help your customers understand if they're getting a reputable firm and what to look for on a website quote. I'm Kristen with ID8. That's great, Kristen. And I know I've run into this where people say, oh, well, I thought Google Analytics was gonna be part of it and then it's not. And so just being able to have all those bullet points is so helpful. Yep, just happy That's to great. do it. Any thoughts or questions for Kristen? So, all right, we've got Scott next and then we'll do Eric, thanks. Good morning, everyone. My name is Scott Siegel. My company is Beacon Sales Advisors and I am the sales expert. What I wanna, my tip for the day is to rethink the word sales training, right? If you think about sales training, what I think about is a manual off my bookcase. It's a one and done. There are no expectations set going into the training. Do you ever follow up with your team after? The answer is no. Do you ever ask your team for feedback? No. Then what we all say is we spent all that money for what? What if we change that to educating your sales team? The world is changing or customers are changing. If you educate your team, it should be ongoing. It should be customized. It should be on hand training with follow-up over the next eight to 12 weeks. And more importantly, it should be individualized. As I mentioned, our customers are changing daily. Our organizations are changing daily. What I would ask you to think about if you do not educate your sales team, they won't change in the world of business. Scott Siegel, Beacon Sales Advisors. Hey, thank you, Scott. Any thoughts or questions for Scott? 
on Scott, what are the what are the typical things that uh, people need the recurring education for? Do they get stuck on a particular area? Is it more about the products and probably not about the products and services themselves? But uh, do they make uh, recurring mistakes typically, or what what usually happens? You know, that's a great question, Joel. It really varies by the person on your team. So if you have a really senior person on your team, it's very different than someone that's starting new. But every all my friends here do what? Marketing, right? We're constantly evolving. If you don't spend time to get, educate your sales team on how to pitch that, what your value prop is, it's not going to work. The other thing I did forget to mention, as much as you want to educate your sales team for everyone here in marketing, you should go through the same program as the sales team. The more you know what they do, the better off we're all going to be. So, Joel, it really, it really varies, and it really should be customized and individualized for the company and for the person. Thanks. Scott, do you have any thoughts on the Go Giver um, Sells More, that book? Go Giver Sells. Is that the one by Adam Grant? Uh, I believe so. I just finished it last night. That is a great book. Okay. If you haven't read Rebecca's book, you need to read that one next. <laughs> that is a great book. Great. Because really the premise of the book, there were givers in life mm -hmm. and there were takers. What you want to do is be a giver. Mm -hmm. And it talks about that really is more of a long-term play than a short-term play. Oh, no, I haven't read that one yet. No. It's, it's the same idea of what you just said, though, and um, providing more value. Like the position was, if you're not making an, as much money as you think you should, that means you're not giving enough value and you should give more value um, if you want to make more money. And then it was telling you how to do those things. And I'll tell you what, it's it's exactly right. Like there's givers and takers. And if you want to sell, you have to give. And it's not always putting yourself in a sales position, like just trying to sell things. It's more about listening. So anyway, well, you, I just wanted to know. When you think about it, we're all in sales, but we shouldn't be selling. Mm -hmm. What we should do is be paying it forward, thinking about how we can help one another and how we create value. If you sell and if you think about selling, it's, it's just not going to work. That's Stephanie, what she's doing right now and what she does for me when she sends referrals. She's always thinking about others. Stephanie Richards in the top left corner. She really is. I've I'm, I'm been known her for a long time and she's always thinking about others and how can they be better? How can I help them? So she's a fantastic resource. Um, I really appreciate that about her. I hope I do the same. Oh my gosh, you totally. And I love working with your company. So I feel the same about you as well. And I think that's what's so great about this group is that we're all here to help each other. And it's great if we can be a resource for each other and send each other business and help each other. So, and that's, that's why you guys are here. Cause you guys are collaborative like that. If you're not collaborative, then you don't belong. In this group. <laughs> so wonderful. Thank you so much, Scott. We appreciate it. All right. We've got Eric next. Do you want to introduce yourself and your company? And then we'll do Joel. You bet. Thank you, Stephanie. Good to be here. My name is Eric Atwood. I have a business called the speakers studio. Uh, so the main things that I do in my business are speech and presentation coaching, communication skills training, and speaking circles facilitation to help people just get more comfortable speaking in public, whether it's in person or virtually like we're doing now. So my tip is centered around um, case studies. Um, it's when we're prospecting for, for new clients or customers. Um, case studies, we all know the value of testimonials, right? Case studies kind of goes along with it is one thing that um, sometimes is lacking when we're promoting ourselves through like sharing stories about clients we've worked with is the emotion behind it. Yep. Um, because we often buy and sell through emotions, either emotions we don't wanna feel, otherwise known as pain points, or emotions we do wanna feel, which is like the pleasure principle, right? Um, so when we're sharing these case studies, these client stories, it's helpful to bring that emotional aspect into it. So um, when we, uh, there's a lot of different ways you can talk about, you know, client stories and case studies, you know, PAR is one of those techniques, the problem, action, result. 
Um, and it's really helpful to start with, like, how did the client feel before you started working with them? So if I look at my own um, kind of client uh, clientele, a lot of them are people who have public speaking fear. So getting into that pain point of, you know, stress and anxiety when they think about or they're delivering some kind of talk or presentation, a lack of self-confidence, lack of self-esteem, feeling of disconnection between themselves and others. There's a lot of pain there. Um, so if you're talking with a prospect that kind of fits in that category, start from there. Like this is how a client was feeling. And so they can relate to that. That prospect can relate to what you're sharing. And then you go through what you did for them. And then what was the result? And including that, that sense of what, how did they feel after you started working with them? And again, in my case, when I get people past that fear, they get into a place of real confidence and a sort of a sense of joy and excitement. It's not just, I can do this effectively. I can be competent at this, but I actually look forward to this. I feel great about this and people give me good feedback and that just raises my self-esteem. So when I share a story like that, I'm always bringing those pain points and the, and the pleasure principle into that case study. Um, so you might think about that when you're prospecting, thinking about the, the ideal client that you're talking to, like what was a case story, uh, a case study or a client story that you could share and what were those feelings that they had before and after? So uh, you've probably, probably, probably all heard the, uh, the Maya Angelou quote. Um, I'm probably paraphrasing here, but she says, people will forget what you said and what you did, but they will never forget how you made them feel. So thinking about emotions when you're talking about what you do really helps people connect with you from that, that place. And a lot of the times that's, that's kind of the bridge between um, people interested and people actually wanting to work with you. So that's what I have to share. I hope that's helpful to some of you. That's great, Eric. Thank you so much. Any thoughts and questions for Eric? Eric, I had it. That was, that was very helpful. Thank you. So you mentioned fear. What is the biggest fear people have on any interaction, whether it's a one-to-one Zoom presentation? And how do you, or what do you recommend they do to overcome that fear? All right. Great question, Scott. Um, so that's kind of a, it, there's not like one main one, but I would say one of the bigger ones is that people are so afraid what people are thinking of them. Right. So we all want to be liked. We all want to be, um, you know, feel like we're enough and like we're doing a good job doing whatever we do. But a lot of times we're projecting that sense of I, I'm afraid what people might be thinking of me so that I that I feel kind of not good enough at what I'm doing. So if you can get past that, not worrying so much about what people think of you, kind of even giving yourself a pep talk and letting, you know, just giving letting yourself know that you know what you're doing and you do a good job at it. Um, and that you can do a good job for this person you're talking to instead of like, I hope I'm doing well, or I hope they get something out of this, or I, I want them to like me. If you can get past that, then that can be a big stepping stone for people to move past that, that sort of anxiety when it comes to speaking with one person or a group of people. So don't worry so much about what other people think of you. Just kind of speak from your heart about what you know, what you're passionate about, and just trust that people are getting something valuable from this. Thank you. Thank you, Scott. I think Eric, too. I'm sorry, go ahead, Sarah. Eric, are there any exercises, like simple things that people can do um, to help them, you know, get better at presenting and things like that? Like something that takes, you know, 10 minutes or something. Is there anything that you recommend? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, there's a lot of exercises you can do. Um, some are physical, some are mental. Some happen like before, like a week before you present or the, the morning before, or even during a presentation. A lot of it is kind of just like giving yourself that, that mental um, reinforcement, like reassurance that, that you are doing a good job and that you really know what you're doing. So it's kind of giving yourself a pep talk. Um, that really works. You know, it changes kind of how our brain feels about certain things. Um, you know, breathing exercises is really helpful too, to get yourself sort of grounded you know, getting yourself in your body, feeling yourself calming down, giving yourself energy. Um, so that's, those are some of the, one of the physical exercises you can do, mental exercises. But there's, there's a lot that goes into like developing good structure for a talk or a presentation. You know, sometimes we get carried into, you know, going into the weeds or 
uh, things that aren't as relevant. So it's helpful to have a, a really good structure. And I can talk with you offline about that, about what it's like the basic structure of a good presentation, whether it's 10 minutes or 45 minutes. Um, so yeah, there's, there's a lot of pieces of physical, mental, and then some of the, um, the practical aspects of a, of a good presentation. So just a little taste of, of some of the many things you can do to, to get better and get over that fear. Just real quick, one, one little tip I do, and I've given a lot of presentations. Before you get up, if you close your eyes, think about your kids, think about someone in your family. What do you do? You smile. Mm -hmm. Nothing else matters after that. If you just take that five seconds, close your eyes, think about your kids, your family, and just go. Mm -hmm. That's the most important thing. I like that's great, Scott. Wonderful. Thank you, Eric. We appreciate your tip. And um, another way to practice is Eric's speaking circles. So check those out and sign up for those too. All right. So we've got Joel. Would you like to introduce yourself and your company and share your tip? Sure. My, uh, did I just do that? Hi. Uh, Joel Alper from Market Power. Uh, I, my own business is about strategy, branding, marketing, and integrating everything and doing all kinds of silly stuff. So, um, I'm actually going to change what I was going to say based on Eric's uh, conversation because um, the the um, emotion that people have, I think, really can get them stuck, and I'll, I'll tell you why. This is a, a real life example of something that's just happened the last couple of weeks. I'm working with I've worked with a client for a four person business. Uh, you make up, fill in in your head any any area of business that you care to fill in. It doesn't matter what what business it is. And we had an old brand and a new brand. And we developed a new brand and he was very excited about it. That's the reason why we work with them. Obviously everybody needs you know, to, to take a fresh look every now and then and they, and they did. We developed something we were really excited about. He loved it. He was tremendously involved with the whole process. It was great. A, fast forward a year and I'm doing a check-in with him and I'm saying, so I remember you said you wanted to test both brands, the old brand and the new brand, and how are we doing? He says the old brand is doing a lot better. How's that possible? The new brand is so much better. How could you compare the two of these? How could it be possible that, that the, you know, the stuff that's not even understandable compares to the stuff that looks really kind of great? And, um, and I, at first I didn't get it. He says, well, we've done the advertising, we've explained everything, and uh, you know, we've tracked everything and there's a really big difference between the two sites. And I'm going, well, I've been wrong a couple times in life and that's the way it goes. And so I asked some questions I'm going, but I still I wasn't done with it. And, and, I, and I said, uh, Adam, why is it that, um, you, you know, when you track the ads, could you show me what you've done? Could, would you mind indulging me and showing me the spreadsheet, just showing me what, what they were? He says, sure, no problem. And we get on, we get on, uh, we get on a Zoom call, and he's showing me the stuff. The old brand has a lot of advertising, split test, all kinds of uh, banner ad tests, and all kinds of stuff going on. The the uh, new brand has nothing. It, what? What do you mean nothing? I mean no ads, nothing. So, Adam, why is it that uh, um, that the new brand has no banner ads, no, in, in, you know, any kind of social, any kind of social media promotion, anything, any paid ads, any, any, no. I go, Adam, we were testing this, right? It's, it's now a year later, you said you're going to track it. And he says, well, I did track it and one is doing better. I go, no, no, no. One is doing better because you're promoting it. He says, well, of course I need to promote it. I go, why do we do the old brand? I mean, it, it, I mean, it's such an obvious, ridiculous thing, you know, but I'm, but that was the answer to the problem. So I, so I, then I want, I'm really still curious. I go, why? Why did you, if you hired me to work with you to do the new brand and you liked it and you were even involved and you're really excited, you know what the answer was? My family businesses have always relied on ourselves. We know what we're talking about. Outside consultants never rate. So that's why you kept the old brand and why it wound up sticking with it. And he, and he says, well, yeah. So the moral of the story is you've got to get to the, to the thinking of the business owner or the person in charge of that domain or whatever a lot of times because sometimes the thinking is really stuck and you can do whatever you want, any kind of tap dance you want in the world. 
but unless they're really willing to really focus on what they need to do, they're not, uh, they're not, not only is the comparison not going to be the same, but they're not going to move ahead. Oh, thank you for sharing that, Joel. Did they ever go back and try the new brand or did they just stick with the old brand? I just had dinner with him uh, about two weeks ago and um, I don't think he's going to go for it. He's just so stubborn and he's a really good guy. The work doesn't suffer. What he does is great. It really is truly excellent work. It's just uh, he's missing the opportunity to utilize a brand that he paid for, that we created. What he wound up doing is taking 90% of the content that we did for a new website and put it on the old brand. And it goes, great, you, you get to choose. That's interesting. That's yeah. interesting. Any thoughts or questions for Joel? Yeah, Joel, what, what would you have done differently to proactively prevent um, his illogical decision on that? Uh, lobotomy uh, would have been one option. Um, I really honestly never saw that coming. Um, when I, you know, you guys have all worked with people on complicated projects, right? And when you work with them, they're engaged, they're doing it. They're, they're, they're moving forward with plans. They're ticking off the boxes. They're actually doing it. And he did. And, and there was no indication that I had, even, even when I checked in with him weeks later, to make sure that everything was all sewn up uh, after the initial engagement. Everything was going along fine as far as I knew. So it, it's like, it's almost like you could try and you could, you could uh, follow up as much as you can. And sometimes you just have clients who are stuck. Wow, so interesting. Thank I think you. it's, it's okay. fear. It's fear. I've had the same project and we do a hopes and fears exercise in the beginning. And I think it's fear. Yeah, They're scared that if we move away from this, we're going to lose all of our clients. We're going to lose this. We're going to lose what we've exactly. built. And um, it's, it's, it feels risky to them. So it's hard. It's hard for people. It's a very uncomfortable, a branding change. So I, it's hard. I was thinking about that hopes and fears um, concept that you talked about, Kristen. And I, it, it reminded me of that. And then Joel, it reminded me of a rubber band, you know, like Kristen made a comment uh, last time that why don't you introduce that that structural conflict, that oscillation thing right in the beginning to try to educate folks. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I haven't had the opportunity to use that new idea yet, but it will happen very soon, I doubt. Yep, that's a good one. Great, wonderful. Rebecca, would you like to introduce yourself and your company and share a tip today? Yes, thank you. So indulge me for a moment and if you will, imagine a small group of people who uh, all know each other, they're different, they're a gaggle of personalities, they've got different backgrounds, different ages, different tempers, but they've come together to consider going on a mission. And each individual has to decide if this is the mission for them. And the more they consider it, the more they all realize, yes, this is a mission where each individual can really show the best of themselves and they're going to go on an extraordinary journey. Now, if you're picturing what I just described, you're probably picturing the Goonies. And I want more businesses to be a lot like the Goonies. I'm Rebecca Brizzi, I'm a management consultant. I love the Goonies and I love a business where the owner has created a mission for all their employees, where they are bringing people on a journey, which is the journey of the business. What happens in a business when they do have this is that they're creating consistency and they're projecting the correct image. And the reason that that's relevant to marketing and the way in which I work with marketers of various sorts is that all of the branding, the change, the training, the marketing, even the product quality and service will fall flat if the moment that the outside audience comes into contact with the business itself, they are not living up to the image that they have projected if the people are inconsistent, if the work is inconsistent, and if everybody's really doing different things. They need to come together and present a unified front or everything else is actually being set up for failure rather than success. So I advise service providers when you're working with a business to do, especially with a new business, a new project, um, to do one extra step before you start on the project. And that is to find two or three people 
who are not part of the group you're working with necessarily and question them on the business a little bit. Three things in particular I recommend. Ask them, what does this business represent to the world? What does it stand for? Ask them, of course, about the campaign or the, the project that you're working on, even if they're not part of it. What do they expect the outcome to be? As in, how will this change the business for the better? And one of my favorite questions, which is, what do they want people, clients, and people to say about the business behind their back? And if the answers to these questions are disparate and not consistent across different people in the business, then recommend that they take one extra step and come together on this before actually implementing and certainly before deploying any sort of change. The way when I'm working with a business, the way I structure this is to build a mission statement, which of course is a single thing. And then above that three guiding principles. And the way I think of that is the mission statement is what the business is going to do. And the guiding principles describe how or the standards of behavior that this business will represent and getting everybody on the same page on about these principles. And an example of uh, where I worked on this was a home inspection company. We built a mission statement, we built the guiding principles, we retrained everybody in the business on this, and we did get buy-in. So everybody was part of the process of developing the principles as well as training. And within six months, their incoming queries had gone up by 40% with no sales training, right? If we had brought Scott in on top of this, then they would have had to double the size of the business to handle it all. The only thing that changed was the way people were behaving in the field. They were out there being consistent, representing the mission. They were showing enthusiasm for what they did and it's attractive to clients. People wanted to work with them. So that's my recommendation is working with a business, question them about this, make sure that there is consistencies. If the Goonies could do it and get a pirate ship, then the business operating in our local market can certainly do it as well. Thank you. Thank you, Rebecca. So Rebecca is such an integral part of this group because when we as marketers find out that there are internal problems within a company and however pretty we make it on the outside, if all that stuff is going on on the inside, we can't fix that as marketers. And we need Rebecca to come in, fix all of the things that are the internal things. And that way, whatever we say on the outside <laughs> actually makes sense and, and flows and there's consistency there. So, so appreciate that, Rebecca. That's great. Great advice. Any thoughts or questions for Rebecca? Yeah, I mean, getting getting um, other people that are not in your group to participate a little bit and agree or disagree on, you know, your vision, mission, um, all these things is so important because there's also a sense of ownership that if you can craft all of these great things, but if the company isn't adopting it, um, it doesn't go anywhere. It just sits, it just sits in a digital file somewhere. So that's really great advice. I really appreciate that. Thank you. And you're using a keyword, which is ownership and people will work hard and enjoy the things over which they feel ownership. And that's what it gives them. Yeah. That's great. Well, thank you, Rebecca. Justin, did you want to present a tip today and introduce yourself and your company? Sure. Share my screen. Uh, my name is Justin Rubner. I'm a brand strategy director. And um, do you see my screen? And I'm talking today about uh, better business storytelling in four steps. So I'll try to make this uh, quick, but it will be interactive, full disclosure. Um, we're all marketers. We know this, but it does bear repeating. Um, without story, you're just pitching features. So uh, when you do have a story, you have something that nobody else has. Um, so Tip or step one is show, don't tell, but also um, do this with extreme focus because otherwise you're just throwing up on people. <laughs> so find your focus and find a story that you can tell. Uh, and this is hard work. It's really easy to put out communications that throw out features or whatever, but finding the story is, is really the hard work and where we as marketers often fail. So, um, I'm gonna throw this out, um, read this really quick. Does anybody like the one on the left better? What about the one on the right? 
and why 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 do we all like the one on the right i'm assuming but there's a lot of buzzwords on the left yeah less <laughs> jargon on the right is it, yes. the one on the right is in english it is yeah these <laughs> i are, can these picture are the one on the right that's an image the other one isn't these are real descriptions by the way yep. this is this is this is real stuff um so step two is is kill the blobs uh in your writing so don't have um big masses of text but also don't go too far extreme the other way i'm gonna i'm gonna show this to you really quick so when you read this it'll probably take you a minute but it's kind of tough to read isn't it yes and it's only two sentences long. But this is this is the world we live in in the digital world. It's two sentences and it looks like war and peace. Um, so you go far to the other extreme to say the exact same thing about communicating well. And this is the exact same thing in five sentences with a lot of white space. But there's still something wrong with this. Can anybody can anybody point out what's wrong with this? No image. Okay. Your prospects are busy. Get to the point. Always show the benefits. Use lots of white space. Avoid blobs of text. It says the exact same thing as the paragraph above it, but it lacks something. It lacks rhythm. Mm -hmm. It's just a beat right here, right? It's beat, beat, beat. There's no rhythm to this writing at all. And it's, it's kind of obnoxious if you're reading a lot of it. And then a lot of people do this on LinkedIn a lot because they feel that our tensions are scattered, which they are. But make sure that you're putting rhythm in your writing. Um, otherwise, it's just it just becomes very repetitive and it becomes easier to read. But human beings want stops and pauses and longer sentences and shorter sentences so that they can catch a breath and think about what they just read about. Um, step three is we all we all heard about write how you think or write how you talk, but I'd I'd like all of us to consider taking that a step further, and to write how we think, because how we think if you can if you can communicate in written word how people think you're going to make your point quicker, and you're going to make it more real because none of us read paragraphs of text anymore. And we want, we want to associate a mental image of the thing that we're reading. So I'm gonna show you two examples here. Um, I think we'll all get this, but which, which one of these sentences is better? Second one. Bottom. And why is that? It's active. Yeah, it's, it's active voice. We've all heard this in high school and college, right? An active verb voice, passive writing is weak um it takes more space and but but most importantly it takes your brain longer to associate it because your brain doesn't think passively it thinks actively here's something on the next level which may make you think which of these sentences do you like better this one's tough but if you really think about active voice and action, mm -hmm. you should come to the right conclusion. So the bottom one, because you know what's coming and you have to think less about it because you know it's a kitten versus yep. what is she going to give to her dad? Yeah. So this is, this is one example of how you should write, how you think and not talk, because I think the sentence above is a little more common, um, but it's not very good because it's illogical. Your brain, your brain is going to be thinking of the kitten and the action and not the dad first. So when you're, when you're writing or you're employing, um, employing writers and reviewing writing, make sure you think about how you're mimicking action um, in your writing, because this is something that, that a lot of people don't do. But over the course of, of reading, uh, your brain will get exhausted from reading the top sentences because it has to work that much harder to get the point. And then the last step is embrace the burn. Um, and here you go. We've all heard writing is editing, but let's take that a step further 
and really become obsessed with deletion and go back review everything that you've written and delete every damn sentence phrase word punctuation point whatever that does not advance your story uh, or elicit some sort of kind of human emotion with it because we all have a lot of filler there's you want emotion in there as uh, as we've just talked about here um, but the more words that you can delete from your writing the more your point is going to get across because we're all we're all living in ADD land and the there's there's so much filler in our words and once you become obsessed with deletion that's when you become uh, a writer um in my strong opinion and uh that's what i got so hopefully that helps um somewhat that was great justin that was so good so many things i feel like we could spend an hour on this that was so good so i know we're kind of getting close to time but thoughts or questions for justin it was really helpful I'll just jump in with the, um, have you heard, is it the Fleischmann's rating? Because a client pointed me towards that. Yes, the readability. Mm -hmm. That can help a lot with what you're talking about because the lower the level and the lower the complexity, generally you're getting to the point that you're talking about. And that's a huge tool that I use a lot more now. Yeah, it's a great, it's a great little um, add-on to WordPress and other sites you can, you can get. Oh, you're on mute, Sarah. I like your point about how um, we read differently now. I mean, I can, I can remember at the beginning of the digital, um, I was working for an education company when everything, probably about 2000, maybe 13, something like that. And like a lot of schools were switch, switching to digital and getting rid of paper and everything. And people were talking about how we learn and process information. And you're right about the paragraphs. Like you see that much text and we almost naturally skim it for the headers now, you know, we, we just don't process information the same way. And we're always, you know, we're, we're getting so used to reading things with some headers here, some pop-ups here, some extra visuals, and maybe a little video content. So really, you know, with the words being very, does it, I love how specific being, does it elicit emotion, you know, cutting it down, um, not being repetitive, not having the unnecessary jargon um anyway yeah the old academic style of, of stating your point and then stating it again at the end and this does not fly um our brains are so damaged by um the internet and, and social media yep <laughs> so good well thank you so much that was great virginia would you like to introduce yourself your company and share a tip yes uh, well thank you everyone for your tips um, my name is Virginia Navajiger, and I own a company called Transformative Power. Um, I help people to really communicate what they do powerfully and in alignment with who they are. And today, um, I want to kind of start with a question of what do you think makes marketing successful? Whether you're doing a social media post on LinkedIn or having a one-on-one -on -one conversation with somebody or running an advertisement. And what I believe makes marketing successful is how relevant it is and how much engagement you have. And to me, in order to do that, you have to have a personal connection. So I want to, I want to kind of take you into the marketing role, right? And imagine it's Monday, and you are preparing to put your content out there. Now you're going to do some posts in whichever place you go. And then what do you think about it? So you may think about your ideal client, your avatar, do you scientifically put 35 year old woman is my target, executive of corporate is my target, um, whomever else. And I want you to delete that completely. Erase it as it with a racing board. And I want you to sit with a new mindset. Connection starts 
with your mindset. You're not talking to an avatar. Not every single 35 year old woman is the same. Some are single, some like cats, some hate cats, some love dogs, some have children, some have teenager children, some have children of somebody that is not their own, some are aunties. Delete your avatar, erase it. Then there is the second part. You're going to talk about how amazingly you know me as a customer. I know you, I know you're a woman, you're terrified. I want to empower you because it's International Women Day because we're going to empower. Do not assume what I believe in. Do not educate me of what you believe in. Erase that too. Erase your assumptions about me. Erase your assumptions about who I am. And whether you're a man, a cat owner, whatever, erase that all. Because when you do, you develop a personal connection with me and talk to me like I am a person. Talk to me like I am the only one person you want to get to know. Do not assume you know me. I believe that brands are humble enough to say, hey, what kind of deodorant do you use in the morning? Like, what is your practice? Do you use a toothpaste that has fluoride or you use another toothpaste? Do you meditate in the morning? The person who asks, who are you? What, do you love cats and dogs? Do you, do you love both? Do you love birds? Do you love like, I don't know, mice? You know, when you ask, you engage with me because you have given me the respect of not knowing who I am because you deleted your whole avatar thing of talking to me. There's nothing more disengaging than assuming what your customer is and assuming you know everything. To me, there's nothing more disengaging that you're talking about me like you know me and there's nothing more disengaging to me that you're talking about you all day and how amazing you are. There is the most engaging thing, which is you talking about you and your grandkid and your kid that you took to daycare and like the celebration you had and like the celebration you have with the customer you hope and like the favorite, you know, ice cream you like and the cat that you own. And, and you're asking me questions about me. When you do that as a brand, you develop the most important asset of your brand, which is relational capital. Through relational capital and relevancy of that relational capital to your specific brand, you have earned my trust. Because I know you care about me. I know that you are able to also reveal yourself to me. So you're not only talking to me, but you're talking with me. So next time, you wake up in the morning to your LinkedIn post. Next time you do your speaking presentation. Next time you get on a phone call, I invite you to utilize the Mexican way, which is say hello to somebody and mean it. Ask them how their family is and mean it. Ask them how their day was and mean it. Don't rush into your conversation of your agenda of selling something. Care about the person. When you care about the person, the person is going to care back to you. And do business in a way that is personal and communicate your message in a way that is personal because when it's personal, it matters. And when it's personal, people engage. And I have used this methodology for Fortune 500 company launches that are multi-million dollar brands, to coaches that are, you know, do one-on-one things, to launching books, and it's successful because it's a genuine way to care. And if you don't have loyalty, loyalty comes from deep care and empathetic connection.
And if you do that, you will be like amazingly successful. And then you may find that there's another offering that you never, that you may have a blind spot as a company to offer something that because you were too busy talking at somebody or talking about what you supposedly know about somebody or what you want them to know about you, that you then took the time to listen to what they really care about or what they really care about you or what they really care to know about you. So those are my tips for today. And I get really excited about relational marketing and it all started, I really want you to see this. All started not with that technique. It always started about how you showed up and how you showed up to realize that in the other side of your computer, of your LinkedIn, of your phone call, there was a person. And if you, if you do that, even if you're not a marketer, even if you not have a clue what marketing is, even if you're an expert marketer, you know how to talk to people because you're a person and you have friends and you have family and everything. So you already have intuitively an ability to connect. And unfortunately, because of all the systems and technologies and methodologies, you've lost that ability to connect. And I promise you, all my posts that have ever worked have had that. It, they have had a connection. And I always, yeah. Okay. <laughs> right, thank you. Oh, it's wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you so much, everybody. Thank you, Virginia. So we're going to wrap up, but I realized I didn't take a screenshot. We always like yeah, to take a photo. Here. So I was just going to do a screenshot real quick and have everybody smile. One, two, three, smile. All right, we'll do one more just in case somebody close their eyes. One, two, three, smile. Wonderful. Thank you all so much for coming today. I so appreciate you guys taking the time to prepare your tips. Thank you for taking the time to present and ask questions and engage. And again, this is a collaborative group. So feel free to have coffee, meet with other people after this, make introductions with people because I have found this group to be so valuable on so many levels. And then please go ahead and sign up for our next group, which is April 19th. It's our next meeting. It's the third Tuesday of every week. A lot of us log on at 9.50 just to have a few minutes of networking before and get to know each other a little bit more. And then we start at 10. And if you would like to submit a tip, please go to the SoGrow Marketing website it's sogropr.com backslash marketing council. And then there's a tab on there where you can submit your tip if you'd like to present. And then we'll let you know if your tip is accepted, then you can prepare it and present. So we will wrap up so you guys can get to your 11 o'clock. But thank you guys so much for coming today. We so appreciate it. And we will see you guys next time. Hi, everyone. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the SoGrow Marketing Council podcast. Want to be part of our next meeting? Visit sogropr.com. That's S-O-W-G-R-O-W-P-R.com and click on the Marketing Council tab to sign up for our next event. Until next time, keep growing.